Life isn't about avoiding the bruises. It's about collecting the scars to prove that we showed up for it. Join Nikki Seberini for the next hour as she explores heroism through illness. There is a warrior inside each of us. This is LifeLinks with the DL Link. LifeLinks is a funding initiative of the DL Link. Well, welcome, welcome to the show, the DL Link show on 101.9 High FM. This is the show where we connect you through insights, information and illumination. Um, and it is wonderful to be with you. I'm Nikki Seberini and we have got such a brilliant show lined up for you today. You don't want to miss it. And if you do miss it or part of it, um, that will be podcast and you know how that works. All you have to do is visit the High FM website and just go to podcasts and Thursday and then life links and all the shows are there. So you can always catch up if you ever miss out. Something else that you may not want to miss out on is a fantastic evening um, with the deal link. It's a great fundraiser happening on the 28th of May at six o'clock at the Galleria in Santon. And it's really a night of magic and casino and delicious food and laughter and a lot of fun. And so with the DL link, you really can win. The casino night is back. It was so successful last time. You're invited um, for an evening's fun. It's Vegas fun, really, um, and it features Mo Magic. And Mo Magic has been dubbed the James Bond of magic, according to the Sunday Times. He is amazing. He's going to be performing, so you can uh, um, purchase a, a 10-seater table in the VIP area. There are going to be branded bottles of whiskey and uh, open bar serving cocktails and shooters, delicious uh, dinner, and 750 chips uh, per player. Then you have the cocktail tables and seating, 500 chips per player, and uh, dinner as well. So if you're interested, then email bookings at dllink.co.za, bookings at dllink.co.za. You don't want to miss out. 28th of May, it's going to be absolutely fantastic. So we continue. Um, as I said to you a little bit earlier, we have a really, really um, great show lined up for you. Um, I'm holding a book in my hand called I Am Ella, A Remarkable Story of Survival from Auschwitz to Africa. Um, and it's written by Joanne Jowell. Um, I have Joanne Jowell on the show. We're going to be chatting to Ella a little bit later, as well as her daughter, um, and that really, the whole hour is going to be dedicated to that. So first and foremost, Joanne, the author, she's a best-selling author. Um, Joanne, welcome. Great to have you on the show. Hi, Nikki. Thanks so much for having me. Well, so, I mean, listen, you're not scared when it comes to writing. I mean, this is your seventh book, right? I'm and always you're... scared. I'm petrified every single time. <laughs> <laughs> well, you hide it so well, Jan. I have to say that, um, wow, and I've read a few of your books and they're all amazing. And, and, um, and I'm really looking forward to unpacking I Am Ella. But I, I want to just talk just a little bit, if you don't mind. I'm sure you're not used to talking about yourself because you love to tell, you know, stories, the stories of ordinary people and the extraordinary things that they do. Um, but you have got a background in psychology. And you write these stories about people and they're almost, it's, it's almost like a merging of a, a memoir and a biography, the way you tell it. 
is, I mean, is that what you're drawn to, Joanne? The fact that you have the psychology background, how people tick, what makes them do what they do. And is this what you bring to all of these stories? I mean, very much so. The, the psychology background or the, the interest in psychology and in humans and in their issues has always drawn me. And it's in particular, it's what, it what draws me to, to nonfiction and to biography writing. Um, it's really biography for me is the perfect mix of my two passions, which are psychology and, 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 and English literature or creative writing. But I think what makes the, I kind of try, I've tried to find a word to describe how I write the books that I write and, and well, the style of it. And, um, I've come up with this idea of, of the triography because it's both the telling <laughs> of the story exactly of, of somebody else, another person's story, but my own interaction with that person or with the issues that they're dealing with is so important for me to explore because firstly, I need to understand why it should be me to be the one to tell this particular story. So what is it that draws me to that story? What's my hook? And secondly, also to kind of try and inhabit the, the viewpoint of the reader or for the, 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 the third person, as it were, in the relationship, um, to, to try and pose questions or ideas or interrogate the subject um, in a way that a reader might find interesting or to ask the questions that a reader would want to ask. So it really is this kind of dynamic interplay of perspectives, um, both, of, of course, the, the, the subject, the protagonist, whose story I'm telling, my own and my own take on it. And then, of course, there's there's the, the very many people who are involved in our lives as humans and who whose perspective reflects on our experience. And so I try and include those other perspectives in the stories that I write, too. Mm, and you do it and it's all weaved together. I love that, the triography, because I was also, you know, I spent a bit of time thinking about what, what is that and what is the style and it is, it's all of that, which is, which is what makes it so interesting, Joanne. We're going to take a break. Um, and after the break, we're just going to look at, yeah, your, how you met Ella and how it was that you got to write Ella's story. <laughs> Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. Welcome back to the show. I have Joanne Jal, who is a best-selling author, South African author, um, and we're talking about her latest um, book, I Am Ella, all about Ella uh, uh, Blumenthal and her incredible story um, growing up um, in Poland, then the war, the Warsaw Ghetto, concentration camps, Paris, Palestine, South Africa, and what an extraordinary story it is. And it's all here in the book, I Am Ella. So, Joanne, um, as I said just before the break, I mean, how was it that you came into contact with Ella and that you got this incredible golden opportunity to write Ella's story? Oh, it really is a golden opportunity. Uh, Ella, Ella's a legend in the Cape Town, uh, South African Jewish community, and particularly the Cape Town Jewish community. Everybody knows Ella. Um, and so I, I think I've always known of her. And she had been to, I know she, in particular, she'd been to my, my shul for the lighting of a, of a menorah, one Hanukkah menorah that survived the Holocaust. So here came a survivor of the Holocaust to light this menorah. And that was, I think, the first time that I'd ever really chatted to her. But then um, a few years ago, her daughter Evelyn contacted me to with the idea to capture her mom's kind of vivacious 
essence and personality in writing, not necessarily to write a, a, a memoir or a biography or a published a published book, but rather just to get all of her mom's funny stories and sayings and life experience. Um, which as you, as you know from having read it and as you'll see when you speak to Ella, um, she has such a kind of signature, fantastic way of, of expressing herself and of, of viewing the world. And, and Evelyn really wanted to kind of write this down for her family's purposes. And it was really through the process of meeting Ella, um, sitting with her for many hours over interviews. I mean, I call them interviews, but they really were just long hours of conversation and building a, a relationship. Um, that I, I came to realize that this needed to be more than a collection of anecdotes or uh, simply a, you know, a kind of ring-bound document for the dining room table for of the grandchildren. It really needed to be something that the world could learn from and share because we really do all see ourselves reflected in the story in, in, in some way or another. And Ella has a unique way of interacting with the world, of responding to trauma, of of uh, raising her children and 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 kind of going out there to to spread her her messages that I really felt it needed to be something um that we could we could package beautifully and and present to the world on a on a much bigger scale. Mm. And when you put that to Evelyn and then to Ella saying, you know, let's let's write the story, let's let's create this book and let's get it out there. How how what was the response like? You know, I think it, it was so, um, it was so kind of, it, it so evolved so naturally and so uh -huh. gentle through the process of, I mean, we started working together in 2017, 2018. So, and we had a lot of time to kind of build, then of course came COVID, but a lot of time, you know, to, to, to build the idea and for it to settle. And so, it, it really, I think, evolved pretty naturally. And by, by the time we came, I came to actually t talking to a publisher about it. Everybody was so swept up in, in, in the process and the experience of, of having her story recorded. Um, by then, a documentary had also been made about her. The, Ella has, you know, really been, been talking about her story only for the last, say, you know, 15, 20 years or so. But that also points to, to the fact that and this is true of any biography and any and any true life story i feel is that it really is a matter of readiness um and when it's ready to be out there in 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 a kind of more public form um then it will and and i think that was the case with ella though she had spoken in public um for some years already um having of course had a lifelong kind of reticence to talk about at least in public to talk about her experience during the war um, as she came uh, to Cape Town and, and started being involved with the Holocaust Center here, she started talking more and more. But the idea of putting it all down in a book, you know, she'd been interviewed by the Shoah Foundation. She'd had many interviews and, and interactions with media, so to speak. But um, the experience of working to put a memoir together was very, very different. And I think um, ultimately became really a product of our relationship and less about the fact that this was a, a book project. It really became an expression of, of our time together and everything that I'd managed to learn from her and the family that I think it, it, it wasn't quite as intimidating an idea by then as it might have been had I gone in, you know, with, um, let's get your, your face, let, let's make you a cover girl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. I absolutely hear you. Um, I mean, Joanne, you, 
you know, as we've said, you write these stories. There is um, the Zephanie story, which is fascinating. The Finding Sarah on the other side of shame, winging it. The crazy life of Larry Joan, your first one uh, caught alive. But, you know, and it's all of these stories and such fascinating, interesting stories. And now you have this, which is quite close to home in that you start off by talking about your son um, and um, the Holocaust Day and the remembrance and the brev- brevity and, um, you know, and the 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 time that we give to to that as a community and, and the impact that it has on you. So with that as a background, knowing what it means to you, how important it is to you, and you sort of mentioned a little bit at the inter- at the beginning of the the interview, but how delicately did you have to approach this? I mean, you talk about it being quite an organic process that it built up, but for you, based on what I've read, you know, this is an important, big subject, and you're dealing with a person and their very personal story. Did it feel different mm-hmm. writing this book um, compared to the others? Very, very, very different. I mean, I, I do call it a passion project, which maybe sounds a bit strange to say of of what you might expect a Holocaust story to be. Um, apart from my own personal interest, as you say, I explore this in, in, in the book, um, in, in the introduction, my own personal interest in, in the subject, the mere subject of the Holocaust and my own sense of obligation to tell, to tell those stories and to preserve memory and legacy. But apart from that, which is really something I had to explore in the writing process more than anything i really think that it was it was the 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 time that i had with ella and and that continued to have thank god and the and the building of that relationship which really made this the story so different look I, I, it's always important to me to build a relationship with my my protagonist but Ella's is different because ella is different and it's her uniqueness that i really kind of wanted to capture but this story was infinitely easier to research and by research i mean you know to spend time with ella and research uh, research her her world and her experience than it was to write i found it incredibly diff- difficult to write because mm-hmm. then it was me alone with my recordings and my transcripts and i didn't have the the lightness and the the life affirmingness of ella um sitting with me on the on the blank page and um and interestingly, the, the kind of journey of writing it is very similar to what I think the reader will experience and what one experiences when you listen to Holocaust stories is that it was, it was far more difficult to write the initial, the early chapters, which are the war years, um, than it was to, to write, um, about after the war, because that is really what occupies the majority of Ella's life, um, is the years after the war. And those are where all her incredible messages and, and her, her beautiful positivity really come to bear. And so while the first few months of writing the story were were really, really tough, I mean, I I, I felt very kind of dark and quite lonely in it, actually. Mm-hmm. As as I came to write, dealing with the content that was about Paris and, and Palestine and moving to South Africa and building her life here, <laughs> actually, it became easier to write. It definitely was a, a process in and of itself, both the research part, the interviews, and and the writing itself, very different to anything I've done before, and forced me to inhabit 
you know, worlds and inner worlds, even of my own, that are really sometimes, you know, better left alone, not better left alone, but we prefer to leave alone because it can yeah. take us to some dark places. But um, I felt the importance of it. I felt the obligation inherent in it, the responsibility and dealing, working with Ella and having her as the foundation just makes the entire thing such a joy at the end of it. It really is. Her life is her, her whole way of being is just so filled with joy and positivity that one can't help but have that be the residue at the end of every working day. If, even if I didn't have any more of her leftover, you know, homemade biscuits, which she always used to <laughs> Those were long gone by the time I came to Brighton. I must say those biscuits sounded too delicious. Yeah. I love, I love the ritual and, and everything that went with it. And yes, what a, what a, what an incredible, incredible woman and story. As you say, that's what you left with. And then that is a beautiful thing. Quick break, Joanne. We're going to come back to you after the break. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. Welcome back to the show. It's so lovely to be with you. Um, we are talking about uh, the book I Am Ella and uh, best-selling author Joanne Jowell, an author of I Am Ella, is chatting to us now. What a what an unbelievable experience meeting Ella uh, Blumenthal, writing her story. And um, wow, Joanne, so three months, it was something like 22 interviews and round about 45 hours all in all of sharing and talking and a bit of eating biscuits, as you've said, in between, or maybe it was lots of eating of biscuits in between. <laughs> and, and you talk about, you know, it could, that, that the journey could be at times dark and lonely, um, but there was always this light, this incredible energy that, that seemed to shine through, which comes through so clearly in the book with, with I am Ella. And you know what I love, and, and you've said it because it's really the telling of her entire story, because her going off to Paris and then Palestine and Cape Town and before the war, it, this is, this is the huge part of her life. And then, of course, those few horrific um, years of, of the ghetto and then uh, being in the concentration camp. I loved the stories of growing up in Poland. I loved Ella's stories of the food that she ate and how they prepared it. And I loved that her voice came through so clearly, the joy, the delight. We we got to meet Ella before we could make any judgment about her experience going forward. We got to meet that Ella. So again, as as an author, very interesting that you take your reader through that. We know where we're going to go when we start reading this book. And yet you start off, yes, describing Ella as this as this beautiful young girl, one of, I think it's seven siblings, her life, how loud and boisterous it was, being Jewish, the traditions, and experiencing that without any of the imprint of, of what was to come. How, how did you manage that? Uh, you know, it's, it's so interesting you say that because when, when I went to uh, Poland myself to do one of, uh, one of the tours of, of Warsaw and of some of the camps, a lot of emphasis was put during that week. It wasn't March of the Living, it was a different tour, but a lot of emphasis was put on helping us to understand Jewish life in Poland and in Eastern Europe before the war, for us to really understand what was lost in order to truly understand what we lost. 
We need to know what was there before and how full and rich and and deep it was and how deep those roots really go. And so with that background, and I did that, that to, uh, before I met Ella and started interviewing her. So I knew that I needed to know, know that apart from needing to understand for us to understand why Ella survived, what is it about her, her personality today that we can, can draw and understand from them. We need to know what she was like then as a little girl, because she is now as she was then in many ways. Yes. Her, her character and her nature and her feistiness and her personality have really, that are partially what helped her survive and they, they remain. And, and that is where it is in those early years that that was forged. You know, she was, she was a young lady by the time when the war broke out. She was not a child. She was a young adult. She was 19 years old. And so, you know, her, her, her early and formative years were, were, had already been lived. And it was so important to me that we understand what those looked and smelled and tasted like um, mm. because they really did make her who she is. And also for us to understand, you know, the family relationships. Family is so, so important to Ella. It is so crucial um, to, to her whole life now. And and for us to understand the family background that, that she came from and how that might have set her up to, you know, for, for how she then approached her life going forward through the year, through the war and beyond. You know, the, the, the beauty and the richness of Jewish life in Poland before the war just can't be underestimated. And, and it's something that, that really was wiped out. It was absolutely wiped out so much so that we today, we second, third generations don't fully under, understand or appreciate it and pe perhaps don't give it due attention. Um, and so it really is important to me that we get a, a, a good solid feeling for that, um, to understand Ella and to understand her context and what made her. And it was really, I mean, it is so sensory that, you know, you know, that whole experience, as you say, so much is around food because we're Jews and because it must be. <laughs> Um, but you can, and, and also a lot of those memories are what sustained Ella in the darkest times of her life. You know, she talks about that experience of, of, of standing around freezing cold and with, 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 um, with women during the camps, you know, having to be made to stand for hours and hours and hours on end, having witnessed terrible things already and, and trying to console one another with memories of home and, 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 and what, what a Shabbat meal might have um, consisted of and you know those those memories are are really tangible mm -hmm. um for her and still today um yeah. so so yes and that's a beautiful part of this of the story it really is it really is and it's so so rich um joanne so sitting with ella for that time and ella recounting these stories um, and often when she is talking about what happened, her experience during the war um, in, in the concentration camps, um, there are often times when she's emotional and there are often times when she forgets or she repeats things. Did you, did you find there was a big difference between, as you say, those early memories? Was that more crystal clear? And then the memories around that time? Um, because so, so much trauma. And how do you, how did you navigate that? You know, wanting to be so true to this, to the story and to her family and her legacy. I think that the, the easiest way to access, that I found to access memories and accurate uh, memories or her, her, her recollection of her life events was really to have no limits on time and, in, in, in limits on time of our time together 
and to have no real plan, although I had interview questions or a structure or a format, like maybe in my head or written down, I really wanted to let go of that when we had our time together so that it was really free flow and free association for her that I never wanted her to feel that I was rushing her or that uh, we had to get things done by a certain date or I just, and as a result, you know, and I say in the book, you know, memory, memory is not linear. I might have forced a chronology on the, on, on the book for for um, for the purposes of a structure and, and and for narrative flow, but that's not how memory comes up. It comes, you know, and the real dark or deep memories come unbidden and triggered by by the most unlikely things sometimes. And so we would really go back and forth. And I had to I had to often um, comfort comforts are wrong, but would reassure Ella and say to say. It doesn't matter if you've told me this before, because there's a lot of stuff in this that you're telling me that I haven't yet heard. And her mm. retelling something would trigger another memory that maybe she hadn't thought about in, in, in a long time. Or for leaving leaving off at you know four o'clock one afternoon and me coming back at two o'clock the following day, she'd have the whole night to to and following morning to to kind of sit and stew and have things come up. She would go rifling through her papers and and have um you know, and, and look at photographs or look at things that made her remember other, other things that she hadn't really given herself the space and time to remember. So the real gift in this biography or this process was, was really the gift of time. Um, that we felt that we had whatever time she needed to repeat whatever. It was my job. I had to reassure her. It's you say whatever you want to say. There are no, there's no um, editing happening at this stage. There's no holds barred. We will do all of that later. And that is my job. My job is to come and make a narrative sense out of it once all is said and done. But let's get it all out and let's have it unfiltered and let's cry when it's when when we need to cry and laugh when we need to cry and often the uh, laugh and often those two things happen one after the other because that is just how memory goes and um and so at the end of the day the fact that we didn't go in with a publishing deadline as it were to start off with i actually think was a great gift in in hindsight because it really just allowed our relationship to to blossom and for ella to feel that i was a safe space a safe receptacle for everything that might come up and, you know, building that trust is so, so important. And, and she could really just let all the pieces of the puzzle fall where they, where they may. And it was my job to put them together afterwards. Wow. Well, and you've done a beautiful job really. And, um, what a story and so well put together, Jan. Uh, I, there were parts that I so loved and there were parts that were difficult as it would be. But what an extraordinary read and um, what, a, what a great credit and telling of this, you know, the story of, of an inf- phenomenal human being, being Ella um, Blumenthal. So thanks, Joanne. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for letting us climb into your mind for a little bit and find out from your perspective what it's like to write this kind of a, a book, uh, a biography. And thanks for writing such an important one. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for appreciating it and seeing that it is, it is not a typical, if there is such a thing, a Holocaust story it is about so much more and it has so much i think i think and i hope that you you felt when you read it you feel you feel so uplifted and you feel so inspired by this incredible person that that you get to meet through the book and while you might 
fear that it is is difficult reading, and and it is in part. Um, it is also really tempered by her incredible, positive, hilarious personality, which I think is really what sticks with us long so after true. the war years. So, so true. Absolutely. Joanne, thank you so much. Thank you very much. Oh, beautiful. Joanne Jal, um, on, uh, the DL Link show. We are continuing talking about I am Ella and I'm so delighted that Ella has, uh, been able to, that she is able to join us on the show today. Um, and Ella is with her daughter, Evelyn Kaplan. Um, so we can get even okay. closer to the story. So Ella and Evelyn, welcome and thank you for joining us today. Thank you very much. Thank you, thank you. Wow, Ella, I like you, you know, Ella, you and I have never met, um, and yet I feel I know you so well through this incredible telling of your story with this personality of yours coming through so clearly. Um, and what, what a story it is, Ella. Have you read the book? Of course. <laughs> Not once. How many, many times, times, Ella? How many times? I keep on reading all over again. Yeah. And what is that like, Ella? Because for so many years, you were so silent about your story. You were so silent about what you had gone through, what you had lost, everything. And then you started to you know, communicate and you started to yeah. speak out publicly. And so what is it like to have this story of yours out there and to read your own story? What made me say it again? In short. Uh, in short, Ella, in short, what was it like for you to read your story? And I keep on reading it again. I'm reliving it. I am, uh, excuse me, uh, you've been, you keep on asking me questions, but I would like to know, can I ask you something now for a change? Of course you can, Ella. V very good. I love to see the person I'm talking to. Is there a way you can show me what you look like? Okay, Ella, I am going to show you what I look like. Very good. Thank Where you are very you? much. Can, can you, can, there we go, hang on. Of can, course. Can you Thank see you. me, Ella? There I am. Sure. Sure. Hi. <laughs> Thank I you. I can't see, there, there I am. I'm Nikki, Thank lovely you. to meet you, Ella. Lovely to meet you as well. I'm Kenneth. Do you understand Afrikaans? Oh, a little Anjana bit. Kenis. We're yes. happy to meet you. Well, that's Lovely. very good. Oh, very good. Of course. <laughs> of course. That's very nice. How and many languages do you speak, Ella? I don't know if I speak, but I understand quite a few. Russian, uh, of course, Polish, Jewish, French, and and. And, and a bit of German. Wow. That's, that's a lot of languages. That's unbelievable. Really. Your, your children, Ella, did you, 
did you want them to learn lots of languages when they were growing up? I don't know. I can't remember really. But okay. I, I'm sorry I can't answer that's, you. No, that's fine, Ella. I'm going to bring your daughter into the conversation because Very I want well. to chat I want to chat to her as well and hear the story of her as well. I'm going to interrupt you. Yes. I'm going to interrupt you. Sure. What is, introduce yourself. What is your name? My name, Ella, is Nikki. Nikki Seberini. Nikki Seberini. And you are born where? Where are you born? I'm born here in South Africa. And your parents came from? Well, my, my, my parents, my one set of parents comes from South Africa, originally her family from Lithuania. And my other parent uh, on my father's side, they come from Italy. Italiano. Italiano. Si, si. I'm sure you could probably speak a bit of Italian. Listen, Ella, we're going to just have a pause. We're going to play some adverts. So don't go anywhere. We're going to be right back. Stay where you are. Hi FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. Welcome back to the show. And what a great show this is. Um, I have um, uh, Ella Blumenthal on the show today. Ella is, well, she is the star of the book that we're talking about called I Am Ella. She is the protagonist. It's all about her life growing up in Poland, then the war. Um, the she, she survived the Warsaw Ghetto. She went to two concentration camps after being the, the war coming to an end. She then moved to Paris for a while, then to Palestine, and she landed up in South Africa, married, children, grandchildren, just the most incredible human being. And we have Ella on the show today. And we also have Ella's daughter, um, Evelyn Kaplan. So we're talking about Joanne Giles' book, I Am Ella. Um, and uh, as I've said, you know, the story going all the way back, where, as Jan was saying, setting the tone of, of this phenomenal life, life in Poland, Jewish life in Poland, which was so richly captured. Um, Evelyn, perhaps I can bring you in now. Are you there? Yes, I am. Oh, fantastic. Thank you, Evelyn, for joining us. Sure. So I know, I know Ella's listening and, um, we, we will just continue with you for a bit and then we'll go back to, to Ella. So Joanne said that originally you had the idea that you wanted to capture all of these memories. You wanted your mother's story. You wanted there for your family and for future generations. And it kind of evolved into this book. Um, and now this book that is out there. So what are your thoughts on, you know, the, the, the end result? How do you feel about the story being so public? And how do you feel hearing, you know, the story and seeing it in, in black and white on print? Well, I'm thrilled. I'm actually more than thrilled. Uh, it's exceeded my expectations. And um, it's wonderful to have it in print. And more so that my mother's alive and well to actually enjoy it with us, the 
the family and everybody, friends and uh, associates and acquaintances. So she's busy signing autographs and, um, and she's very busy writing notes. So it's wonderful for her too. Evelyn, is your mom now, um, and I'll ask Ella as well, it's 102? She's almost 102 on Shabbat Nachamu, which is the end of July. Just phenomenal, just phenomenal. I'll, I'll, I'll chat again to Ella just now, but let me ask you from your point of view, Evelyn, growing yes. up, um, not knowing uh, where your mom came from in terms of the history and, and what she had experienced, when did you, growing up, start to sense that, you know, that there was something in your mother's history that you, that she kept to herself, or that wasn't like your friends, or that it was different? From a very young age, I was aware that there was something different, but I just didn't know what, what it was. From a number of points of view, that my mom was different to all my friends' moms, uh, that was a we. We were a very insular family and just concerned with ourselves. And lastly, I didn't have any grandparents, no uncles or aunts or cousins. So, And there was always a, something simmering beneath the surface. I had no idea what it was, but I knew there was something. And then as I got older and old enough to understand, she explained to me, I'm I'm the youngest of four siblings, so um, I was privy to, to knowing that we all protected my mom, very much so, more than normal. What do you mean you protected her? And if you didn't know the story at that point, where did it, well, where did you that know, come from, the, the need the, and the want to protect her? There was just a feeling that I had, it was almost in my bones. That yeah. I knew that mm. I, I loved her desperately and I had to protect her. I don't know why, but I knew that I had to protect her. There was from, just something there. there. There was, was just something, something there. there. And, Definitely. but Evelyn, I, I know that, that sometimes your mom would have nightmares and she would scream she out in the middle of the night. She yeah. had one last night. Yes. She, she's living with me now. She has nightmares often. As a child, I remember her screaming out at, at night. I must have been uh, five or six or seven. And I used to run to her and she used to say, they're taking my children. And I said, mom, I'm here. No one's taking me. And now her nightmares are, are, are different, but she's still having them. Definitely. Sure. Yeah, that's – and that must have been – very scary for you as a young child to experience that. And now, you know, continued this experience of, of the nightmares must be, must be really difficult, Evelyn. It must have been difficult for you. Did you and your siblings used to talk about the fact that this happened and how no, did I think you we, talk to your dad about it? How did you process it? No, we were just, just, we knew about it and we kind of accepted everything that happened. Uh-huh. I think the, the foremost feeling was, just that my mom needed to be protected at all costs. And uh, even now, you know, if something small happens, even, you know, the whole family goes into a tiz. So we all rally around her. And me in particular, 
obviously now that she's living living with me, so I'm I'm particularly uh, attached and yeah. close and look after her uh, in 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 a very close way. Mm. And and so Evelyn, when when did you first find out about what happened to your mom, her experience? Well, there wasn't a particular date or time. Okay. Just as I got older, and I was old enough to understand, uh, there was a a picture of her family on on the dressing table, and I always used to ask her who these people were. And when I was old enough to understand, she told me. That's my grandmother, that's my grandfather, that's my uncles and aunts, and those are the people you never got to see and 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 exactly what hap- what happened to to twenty three members of her family did she tell you in the kind of detail that is in the book? was she able to yes. express that to yes. you? Yes, she told me everything. Yes, absolutely. And, yes. Yeah, yeah. And, and so, so Evelyn, with you and your brothers growing up in that environment with that, I mean, how was it? Was, was it, were you able to, you know, was your father a part of those conversations? I'm just trying to get a sense of, you, you talk about your family being quite insular, very close, very protective of, of your mother. Your father and your father's family, I mean, were you able to, you no. discuss it beyond. No, it was, no, 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 yeah. not at all. It was, it stayed in the family. And my father was someone that, that wanted to protect my mom too. His way of doing this was not discussing it. He didn't like it. He, he'd leave, leave the room. So, um, we just did it ourselves and we just knew it was not, it was unsaid, but we knew that my mom needed to be protected, that the whole family she was the fulcrum around which the the family turned, but not it was just us, just the nuclear family, not anyone else. We're going to stop for a, a pause for a break, Evelyn. But I I, sure. I, I really want to get across um, to the audience that you, that your mother, you know, she has this. This, this incredible spirit, this incredible way of seeing the world, of being in the world. I mean, that's how she survived, what she had to survive. Um, you know, this, this feisty personality. Um, and I, I'd like to know how that impacted you as in how she looked at life. And so with the trauma and the tragedy, actually how she's taught you to, to, you know, see the positive side of life. So let's take a quick break and then, then we'll talk about that, Evelyn. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. This is the DL Link Show. We're talking about an unbelievable biography, I Am Ella, written by Joanne Jowell. And I have Ella Blumenthal on the show, and I have her daughter, Evelyn Kaplan, on the show. And what an extraordinary show it is, these different voices, these stories. It's just, it's so beautiful, and I feel really so privileged to be able to have this conversation. Um, Evelyn, just very quickly going back, um, you're talking about the experiences, your mom's nightmares, um, and being there and holding her and wanting to make sure she's okay. But your mother, I mean, and it comes through so strongly in the books. I mean, this is an independent, independent woman, strong mind, strong world with quite a naughty sense of humor. Did she impart all these incredible insights and the way of looking at the world onto all of you? 
Absolutely. And she still continues to do it every day <laughs> right now. She's incredible. Um, more than you can ever I- imagine. She's positive in any situation. She's funny. She's forthright. She's sassy. She's smart. And she's full of life. So everything you read about in the book and more. And I continue to learn from her on a daily basis right now. I can imagine so, Evelyn, because as you've said, and when you go through the book and the experiences, and then I go back to those words you've just used to describe your mother, what a success, what a successful life to be able to go through that and come out of it and be this kind of person and to pass this on to family and now to the world, right? Through this book, through the documentaries, we we have been gifted by that. So Evelyn, thank you very much for joining us. Sure. It's really been wonderful. And Ella, um, I have to ask you because um, in the book it describes how you love to go swimming every morning. Do you still swim, Ella? Unfortunately. I'd like to, but I don't. Not anymore. I'm I, I'd like you to stand up. I want to see what you look like, Nikki. Please. Okay. I'm going to stand up. You don't go anywhere, Ella. I'm going to just say no. goodbye because it's time to finish the show. But you stay where you are and I'm going to stand up. I'm going to take off my... My jacket because I'm in my office and it's cold and you'll get to see me. But I want to thank all of you for tuning in. I hope that you've enjoyed the show. I have found it so illuminating and so inspiring. And as I said, such a privilege. So thank you to Jaan Jal, author. Thank you um, to Ella Blumenthal for her stories, for her bravery, for joining us, and to Evelyn Kaplan, Ella's daughter. And thank you to you for tuning in. It's been a delight and a pleasure. If you've missed past of it, remember you can get the podcast on the Chai FM website. From me, Nikki Severini, until next week, I'm standing for you, Ella. Goodbye. Thank you.